Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, welcome on to Hollinger and Duncan. Happy holidays to everyone. Hope you're having a good holiday, but also staying safe out there. And John just got back from Las Vegas in the Mandalay Bay Casino where the G League Showcase took place. I was not able to attend this year, which was to my regret, but I'm guessing you had a somewhat interesting time, John. Yeah, it was definitely a different kind of experience and really started on the first leg of the trip. I stopped in Nashville hoping to see the Memphis-Tennessee game and that was canceled less than an hour before tip-off due to COVID-related absences and really a harbinger of things to come. So uh, didn't see as many executives out there as you normally would because so many of them were scrambling just to put a team together. And even the ones that I did see there, some of them, you know, things were okay when they left and then by 48 hours later had mushroomed into a huge problem where they're signing you know guys who were retired five years ago or whatever just because they're running out of players no that i mean that's pretty great so you probably I, I would guess people there probably didn't even like have time to just sit and watch a game and have a conversation like they normally would so i was able to do that with with a couple of people but um but there there were a couple people whose teams were relatively unscathed or who had already been through the worst of it so but it was just much less possible than it passed showcases so i, I mean what what was the overall mood at, among people there were like people just incredibly stressed out were they complaining were they just like resigned to to their it was fate? more like, resig- resignation and then among a lot of like the scouts and the and the people who are you know not sure too further down in the organizations like a feeling that this was the last hurrah a little bit like none of them knew if they were going to be traveling for the next month interesting interesting uh so <laughs> i mean you're, you're sitting there watching these games we're, we're just like uh, assistant general managers just like sprinting out onto the court in the middle of the game to just like tack, tackle a guy and, and uh, force him to sign a 10-day just like right at center court. Yeah, you almost felt like that was going to happen a couple of times. Um, you know, I was my first day there, I was watching Lance Stevenson play for Grand Rapids and it was like, he looked pretty good. It was like, wow, okay. And you, you sort of expected that to happen, that at halftime, like he'd get pulled off the court or something, which, I mean, I've seen that happen at, at past showcases where a guy literally has a good first half and is not out there for the second half because he's been signed. And, but ironically that I did not witness that happening. Uh, and I think it was more because the timing of everything was like teams who get their test results in the morning West coast time, mostly, and then know right away what they needed to do. And so they'd have, they'd have guys signed before these games tipped off. So it was, it was less a case of guys getting pulled off the court at halftime. But I mean, those scouts that were there, I mean, people were really watching these games because they, they knew that they had to have a list 
list that went like 30 deep of guys that they could sign. Yeah, that, that was going to be my next question of just what is the process like for these teams? Because you know, we'll talk more about this in a second, like your experience in 2016. When what did you guys yeah. have, like 29 players on the roster or something we like that? We used what what was then an NBA record 28 players that season. We had three roster exemptions at the same time, which was pretty much unheard of uh, in the NBA up to that point. Uh, pe- like people in the league office told us they had to create like a separate uh, system of like spreadsheet or data or whatever, just to keep track of what was going on with us. Um, so, which, which I thought was interesting. Uh, and we do like, we chewed through a lot of 10 day guys. And for us, it was interesting because it was the end of the year. It was March, April. And by then the league has been completely picked through the, the G league. Um, yeah. And well, you have well, at some, least that was before two ways though. That probably, that was before like two ways. Easier. So yeah, that's true. So you, you had a, you could do a little bit better because of that. You think about two ways of taking away the top 60 players out of the G league pool. So whereas in my first, uh, I'm sorry, my second and third season in Memphis, we pulled James Johnson and Jamichael Green out of the G league. Like your, your odds of being able to do that out of just free talent are so much lower when players one through 60 from that pool are now absent from it. Yeah, although I think two ways are probably helping right now because with just teams having 17 players available yeah. who have been there all season as opposed to 15. It's like you can have eight COVID absences and still theoretically play a game. What um, te- So which- what teams should be doing actually is what NFL teams did with their third quarterback um, last year. Like just had them basically hide in a different location. Like teams should think about doing that with their with their two-way guys. Like just, just keep them someplace else. So that if there's an out, a team-wide outbreak, you have, you have two players that you could pull in that you know are going to be unaffected. Now, they might still get it from other sources. I mean, that's the nature of how things are right now. But I don't know. It's just, uh, just a, a thought I had that if you're if you're relatively healthy and not playing these guys anyway, you might be better off keeping them away from the team. Huh, that's an interesting thought. Yeah. It, it, although, I mean, they, they could then uh, get code somewhere else, too. I mean, it seems like uh, Omicron is just sweeping through everywhere and everything. I, at the moment but yeah, yeah. No, that's an interesting thought i so uh you know, back back in 2016 i mean did you just have this uh, ridiculous list of like you know 40 players or something i guess you didn't you didn't have to go quite as deep then because you no. were the only team well not the only team but one of the teams that was you know maybe there's three or four that are trying to sign these guys now it's like 25 teams are trying to sign this guy yeah i mean we we pretty much knew that we we could get the player that we wanted because we were able to offer him a chance to play and and the situation was that nobody else was really trying to sign guys right at that point so we felt pretty good about that it was just the players we were looking at i mean the there was just nothing left in the in the league so um you know we just ended up chewing through a point we were out of point guards too so we had to we had like we basically had to sign two point guards at the same time um well and you also uh made the playoffs that year (laughs) yeah i mean jordan farmar started for us in the playoffs yeah yeah we won just enough at the end there to to and had banked enough wins thankfully to that point i mean we were 37 and 24 i think when rio uh Torres Achilles and uh I think we we won six games the rest of the season and uh that just got got us got us in under the wire um 
who is like your I, I mean I remember there are a couple of players that I actually thought might be pretty good out of that like I thought Xavier Bumford was someone I thought could be like pretty yeah. decent uh and yeah. then he, he just never was able to build on that as it turned out yeah but we had we had Briante Weber in who did some interesting stuff for a little bit um we recycled uh Ray McCallum and uh Jordan Farmar uh P- PJ Hairston I'm seeing here uh, PJ Hairston well. wasn't a 10-day guy we got him in the Courtney Lee trade that's right yeah because I, I, I think like I was critical of Charlotte I was like hey this guy started why did you turn down his his uh I can't remember his third or fourth year option and then you know he never did anything yeah they the way, they but. made they made the right call on that one <laughs> um <laughs> so now though I think the question of just what it's like here for the agents and the teams I mean I would imagine there's a fair amount of competition for some of these guys you know you mentioned Lance Stevenson for example but these guys are also they're going to just be gone after 10 days there's no real mechanism for them to last beyond potentially a second 10 day now maybe the thought would be you play well for this team and then you just go to another team you do 10 two 10 days there and then you then you go to another team you do two, two 10 days there if this just continues on uh for hopefully it won't be this wave isn't gonna last forever but it, it, like if if you could just prove you could play well with one team you just go to go on to the next team and just do, sign like you know, six, 10 days in a row yeah. on different teams. Yeah. I mean, you're so the competition isn't financial, right? And because everyone is offering the exact same contract, which is the 10 day uh, roster exemption contract. And you're, you're really not competing that much on playing time. Cause if, if they called you up, I mean, like they, they, they basically need you to play right now. Um, so it's a lot of it is just, you know, Lance Stevenson has already played for uh, Nate McMillan. So he went there, you know, there are definitely teams going with familiarity. There are definitely teams who just signed out of their own G League team. Uh, Orlando signed three guys from their own G League team. Um, I've seen yeah. seen a couple other teams do that where maybe they didn't take the best talent available, but they opted for familiarity slash reward our own guys a little bit. And, yeah. you know, and, and I have think somebody who knows your system and your plays and whatever. Yeah. If you're Orlando, you absolutely should do that, right? Just try to build the culture a little bit get guys some more experience you know maybe you find the next Juan Toscano Anderson right like Juan Toscano Anderson just got signed because he was on the Santa Cruz Warriors he couldn't shoot at all and now he's an NBA player uh, Mm -hmm. the only one of those guys who who ended up uh, being left you know so I I think if you're not really trying to win games this year you might as well just promote your own G League guys I would think yeah I mean that unless unless you see a guy in another team who you think hey this is gonna this guy's worth more than 10 days to us yeah um so so yeah that well, so so like the guys that you were talking to here, I mean, did they, you have any stories from people just like, hey, we made 10 offers and finally the 11th guy accepted or or is it I, not quite that bad? So no, nobody specifically related anything to me quite like that. Um, although, I mean, I think we're definitely seeing with these teams that got in late, they're just kind of scratching. I say got in late. They had the misfortune of having their rash of uh, positive tests later than other teams. I think we're seeing that them in a little more of a barrel scrape mode where they're they're really fishing to try to find some players has anyone that you've never heard of been signed yes uh actually (laughs) i could do better than that i could do better than that i had somebody in a front office say that his team signed a player he had never heard of (laughs) 
Oh man, that's that's fantastic. It's just and I guarantee I mean, you that dude wasn't the only guy. I mean, just haven't been through this. Like, yeah, that's totally happening. Where like you know, because a lot of especially when you're when you're uh, the GM or the VP or whatever, you're not spending a lot of time on the G League in the first half of the year. You're just not. And you know, maybe you'll get a list of guys that are worth looking at as you get on the plane to the showcase, and you're kind of like, okay, I'll see this, 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 and this. Uh, but so it does not shock me at all. No, I suppose. And also, you just you don't really have the option of like, okay, the scout likes this guy, sends sends the name to the GM, the GM looks at the tape later in the day. Like you got to no. This is this is just rapid fire. Yeah. So I'm sure a lot of these teams are just are just calling their whoever the scout is who's responsible for the G League is just like, give me a list of names. Just you know, (laughs) give me give me your give me your top three. You know, if you need a position, give me your top three small forwards right now. Um, and then just making calls right away. You know what's hard too that people uh don't always know about like you got to find who this guy's agent is too now the good agents will let you know obviously but sometimes it takes a little bit of sleuthing yeah yeah i mean real gm if you go to their real gm page they they usually seem to be pretty well updated at least from what i can tell but i'm sure there are times when things have changed and real gm isn't aware of it yet or there's just a guy who's so obscure i think they they spend more energy tracking lebron james's agent than you know hassani gravitz let's say so I i think there's that too uh so uh, getting back to just the overall state of things right now it just what is your opinion of i mean much has changed since we last talked there's now the hardship stuff has been expanded and you just anytime you get a positive covid case you can get a hardship in fact you are required to sign guys if you have two or more hardship or, or two or more positive covid tests yeah. and, and you know and it goes up basically if you have three then you have to sign two four you got to sign three etc what's your thought on generally the way the league has handled this over the last week or so i think they're muddling through it about the best way they can because i think requiring teams to sign players was a really smart move because what happens is it's a lot of times it's the tip of the iceberg where they get two or three and then the next day they get five more and then they have to cancel their game but if they already have new guys signed and in place it really limits the ability of that uh, of of that kind of second and third day when more and more cases pile up uh, to, to cost games. And I still think, I mean, the league's motivation is to try to complete as many of these games as they can. I do, like a pause in this situation is you're so you're canceling all the games now instead of a few of them and you're still not really like i i I think adam silver hit on this yesterday in his interview like what are they even getting out of that um so it's not like people are going to stop testing positive once they do that um and so I, I think they're trying to deal with that the best they can. I think how they deal with asymptomatic vaccinated positive cases is still one of the big questions going forward. What is the best way to deal with that, both from a safety perspective uh, and from the perspective of you know their their obvious financial motivations? Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, 
you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns you can customize. Things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets. And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. So level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use the code PER. Easy to remember because John invented it. Use PER to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that PER code to let them know you came from us. So it seems in some way, like I think they've done a good job with the hardship stuff. It seems, and Adam Silver said that they may change up how they're dealing with asymptomatic vaccinated players. Malika's interview with him was great. I'd recommend either watching that or reading a summary for those who want the full context. But to me, they're kind of getting the worst of both worlds right now because they're still not, they're not doing any of the restrictions like they had last year of guys on the road. But moreover, they're also still not testing even these teams that are having outbreaks they're not testing quite the way that they were last year when you're having guys getting tested twice on game days yeah and because the biggest problem that they've had i think I mean, number number one, obviously, is just that you know you've got vaccinated players who are testing positive, but then also you're not they're not catching the guys that even the guys that they are testing, they're not catching it early enough to prevent outbreaks. And so yes, towards the end of last year, you didn't see teams having to get totally shut down. Part of that was because they implemented more restrictions of guys on the road, etc. But the other part of it was if one guy tested positive, they were testing so often that they were able to with the really sensitive PCR test, get the guy out of circulation before he was transmitting. Now, the other issue is, and we don't know this for sure yet since it's so new, but potentially with Omicron, you might not be able to do that anymore. It may just ramp up so quickly that you can't test someone and get them before they're actually transmitting to other people. So that may just, that aspect might just be totally impossible uh, to deal with, but they're sort of, they're testing enough that guys are getting taken out of circulation, but not early enough that you're actually preventing transmission if that's even possible we don't know that yet so so they're kind of stuck in the middle of two bad worlds here i think it's gonna probably go the way that they've done in football uh, where asymptomatic vaccinated players are just not going to get tested and they're just gonna if those players are transmitting they'll just deal with that aspect of it and then that they'll also allow a lower threshold on a PCR test to, you know, even if you're still technically testing positive, you have enough uh, cycles if you're above 35 is what the NFL is doing. Mm -hmm. So you have a really low viral load. You can just come back earlier if you're asymptomatic at that point. I think that's probably where it's headed. Silver kind of acknowledged that they're going there. I'm just, I'm not sure exactly why they don't want to do that yet. Maybe they feel they need some more data or something, but uh, now that football has done it, I, and maybe it's also just that this isn't an important enough part of the season, frankly, and 
they want to just kind of let this let this play out without making any huge changes in how they're doing things? I think it's that. And I think it's the optics of saying somebody who's positive, we're just going to let them run around in society like they're like they're fine. Because the I, I wrote about this earlier this week, but in a population where everyone is under 40 and is 97% vaccinated, you can have very different protocols than you would in the larger U.S. population where those numbers are, you know, both much worse in terms of uh, outcomes. So th- there's there's that too. I think they're worried about the optics. Yeah, I, I, I guess that's probably true. Although, I mean, what they would do is they're just going to not, I think they'll just not test people as, unless they're symptomatic. You know, that's, and frankly, that's, they've, Malika made this point in her interview with Adam. That's what they were doing before. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. that was the pre-Omicron phase. And so there weren't nearly as many of those cases. But clearly there were cases of vaccinated players who were asymptomatic, who were just playing and we you know, just never got caught. Yeah. And I think they're OK with that. But then now if there's an outbreak on the team, now they're not OK with that. So so that is a little inconsistent. Um, I, I think Malika made that point, which was a, a reasonable one. So, yeah, I, I'm not sure exactly where we're going here at this point. I mean, I think there's also just we need to know more about the Severity. We need to know more about what happens once players are boosted. Adam Silver talked about that yesterday. Just yep. players who are boosted have been largely asymptomatic or very little symptoms. Players who only have J and J and no boosters that they're uh, have been doing worse generally. Um, although still, I mean, it's worth noting we haven't really had any of these, at least to our knowledge, any of these kind of long COVID situations like we had last year with guys like Tatum and, and Mo Bamba, yep. etc. So I, I mean, maybe it's just Omicron will sweep through and it won't be as severe and the boosters will really help and you know three weeks from now this will kind of be over or maybe we're just going to be dealing with this uh, all season and literally the entire league is going to get it i I don't think anyone really knows the answer to that at the point yeah although i mean the the one thing you you point to your point i mean fires need oxygen right so like if you have a population of 450 players like how many of that population has already tested positive within like the last two weeks uh with presumably Omicron. So like you're already losing some of your kindling here. Yeah, that's true. Those guys can, I mean, I think the way that this is sweeping through, I think guys will just get it outside of the team too. Even, even if they're, they're not necessarily getting it during team activities, it'll be family or you know outside activities or something like that as well. Yeah. But it there's only, but the, so, but the, so th- those entry points will still exist, but yeah. it's kind of, it's a lot harder for it to sweep through the whole team once half the team has already had it. Yeah. I, I mean, ultimately to me, yeah, Chris, Christmas is important. I don't really care about the money of Christmas. The league probably cares a lot more about that than I do. Christmas is just games, just like any other time. Um, You know, my biggest concern is, are we going to get to the playoffs and our big star is going to be testing positive during the playoffs and fucking up the playoffs? Like that is for me personally, as a journalist slash fan, that's what I'm most concerned about. Like, how do you avoid that in the end? Yeah. And by far the easiest way to avoid that is by not testing asymptomatic players, right? <laughs> that, you, that that sweeps the whole thing under the rug, kind of. Yeah. In addition to boosters and, and it, you know, just the overall societal level of transmission, 
maybe lower at that point as well. It won't be the winter anymore, and it won't be the summer in the uh, in the southern states where people spend more time indoors and things expand more. So I, I guess we're just going to have to kind of wait and see. We're going to muddle through. I mean, it's been. I mean, the quality of play has been rough. I mean, there's just no two ways about that at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like Danny and I, we went through this entire week, and we're like, okay, how many of these teams would we consider watchable or and are intact? I think we came up with like six games that we would actually want to watch for the entire week and that included the christmas games <laughs> but yeah. hey uh, so subscribe to dunked on prime everybody this is it's great uh <laughs> we'll uh we'll we'll see, see what we get out of those christmas games here um what was what were people saying around the league about how the league is handling this and just uh, what it's been like so far is, is there a feeling like they're doing as, as good a job as they can or is there a feeling like they should be doing things differently? I didn't I didn't get um I didn't get any sentiment of like anger or frustration. Like the vibe I got was more, this is, you know, this is just what it is and it sucks, but we'll deal with it. Um, I, I do think there's hope that they go more toward that NFL model uh, of dealing yeah. with the the uh, asymptomatic cases that that would probably be the one the one thing i think most people i talk to wish wish would shift um but the the general emotional vibe was more just of this resignation of like here we go again you know can i can i can i just be a person who watches basketball <laughs> instead of having to deal with all this other shit you know uh, i think there's a lot of that but you know that I, I don't think there was frustration with the league, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, and there's, like we talked about, there's, I think there's one of two ways they can go, either more testing and more restrictions or just deal with asymptomatic players not being tested and being out there to play. Uh, so we were hoping to talk more about trade stuff. We had have done that already a little bit. I'm guessing there wasn't too much trade talk at the showcase, though, huh? I had one trade conversation that lasted maybe 15 seconds and it was merely about the fact that nobody could deal with trades <laughs> they're just well, i mean it's just they're 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 swamped right now with with you know trying to pull lance stevenson out of the g league so i, I everything on the trade market has completely come to a screeching halt well and more so than that even it's that teams even if they had the time to have the discussions nobody has any clarity about what the fuck they are right now either well there's that and then let's say you did a trade right now like remember that guy's out of circulation while the trade process is so that's another guy you're down yeah i guess that's true huh so i mean there's logistical obstacles too so yeah i mean you know it'll ramp up in january it always does but right now they just gotta everyone's just bailing water right now and they gotta focus on that so when you and i talked before last week's show you had a list of teams you wanted to talk about in terms of potential trades and yeah one of those teams was was the Sacramento Kings. So yeah. uh, what, what do you want to talk about with the Sacramento Kings potential uh, trades? You know, I, they're in an interesting spot. And you, I mean, it's a little, I don't know. It's a frustrating time in Sacramento right now, I guess. But when when is it not? <laughs> but but like, yeah, 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 I mean, I, I was going to say, right. It's been a frustrating uh, 15 years. They last made the playoffs in 2006. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they have large expiring contracts. They have uh, future picks, which, I mean, 
should be highly desirable to other teams, right? Given the Kings' history. Yeah, um, well, you know what? Quickly, but before we get into that, I have I think in this entire, you could correct me if I'm wrong. You might remember better, but I think in this entire time since 2006, when they haven't made the playoffs once. Mm-hmm. I think they have gotten one future first round pick from another team by selling off a, a player in that entire time. And that was the DeMarcus Cousins trade. I think they got uh, number 10 overall from the Pels that they ended up trading to get Justin Jackson and Harry Giles in 2017. I can't, I can't think of another time. Maybe maybe there was one, you know, in like wow. over 10 years ago. But wow. I mean, isn't that That's amazing gr- to think of? That's that is. Wow. I hadn't considered that. And and they've had they traded away picks more than they've actually yes. traded four picks. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, obviously that Philadelphia deal stands out. Um Wow. Yeah, that's a because the move that you have to think about right now is are you better off trading Harrison Barnes for I mean you could probably get two could you get two first for him, do you think? Is that crazy? I, I would think so. I mean, given some of the players who have gone for two firsts in recent years, the fact that he has a, a declining contract, he's been awesome this year too, by the way. I did his game yeah. on Monday against the Warriors and uh, I looked deeply into the fact that he now has over a fifty percent free throw rate, which is just just completely insane for people who saw him early in his career and he's just yeah he's been really effective as a driver you know I, he's probably always been a little overrated somewhat defensively but i think if you plug him in at the four he can still switch and stay in front of guys reasonably well shoots it from the outside he can drive on a closeout maybe post up or iso a little bit in the right matchup and you know obviously a great locker room guy i, I think he's someone who in theory would garner two first round picks the question becomes though what is the team that is going to feel like hey Harrison Barnes makes us a, a contender this year and and also has that type of ammo to give up Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem uh, Reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil hmm if you're Philadelphia, which it, well, actually, this makes no sense for Sacramento, though. So let me, well, actually, okay, let me float it out there. What the hell? Tobias Harris and like two firsts or something, or, uh, you know, they have some interesting young guys too for Barnes and Buddy Heald. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know that uh, maybe they would want to just get Bagley instead as salary matching mm-hmm. uh, to just to, to make things a little bit easier for him going forward. I think Heald is kind of redundant with Seth Curry. Seth Curry might actually be better than Heald. Like, Heald's a little different of a shooter, but yeah. Seth if I'm, better my, my logic is if, if I'm Sacramento, I'm not taking back Tobias Harris unless I'm well, getting off for, of Buddy Heald. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that might make sense, but you're also getting the, the two first round picks. And yeah. I mean, Harris, Harris might actually help Sacramento more than Harrison Barnes. I guess if you're, your thought there on the Sixers is just that you're saving a lot of money going forward. I mean, Harris has two years left at 37 and 39 after this year. I mean, that is quite a pill to swallow, but he can still play. Um, I guess it, it just, it goes back to what it's always been with Sacramento of just like, what are you doing? What's the overall long-term plan? It, I mean, okay, if you want to trade Barnes for Harris, I guess that's good. Maybe you could flip Harris again for someone who, uh, an even worse contract if you're thinking about doing something like that. You get more picks and have something going forward while you're still, you still got Fox and you still have Halberton and, and Mitchell mm-hmm. and Rashawn Holmes, who you might also look to move uh, as well. I think you, know, you could probably get at least a first for Holmes, who's on a reasonable contract going forward for some team or another. But that, of course, would, 
require them actually accepting some short-term pain which is why i brought that up to begin with of how they they've only made one trade that was future focused basically yeah to get a first round pick in this entire time i get somebody could correct me uh on the twitter spaces after this if i'm wrong about that and i'm forgetting anything i don't think there was a major one in terms of just selling off pieces so uh it just uh, my point there is do they have the mentality to do that of course not <laughs> i mean that's been the thing that's plagued them the whole time is that they're yeah you know they're they're all in for the 10 seed yeah well it, it, to give them some credit it used to be all in for the eighth seed now 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 yeah, they've, they've set low- their sights even lower than they used to <laughs> Oh, sad, sad but true. Can you do anything with with Bagley's expiring? If you could do Bagley and Thompson or something, I mean, to, and you're going to give up a, a first rounder as well to just bring someone in? Uh, okay, not give up a first rounder. Maybe give up a second and just. I'm, I'm looking at them next year. Like they they don't really have meaningful cap room, but they have a ton of room below the tax line. So it's a kind of situation where trading your expirings for somebody who's signed next year can make a lot of sense it just the and maybe that guy's overpaid but he can play i mean if you think about it if they're gonna hold up they got holmes barnes fox halberton i know those guys are absolute world beaters but they're quality starters and guys they're yeah. invested in at, at their positions and so i mean they could really use a traditional three they're trotting out mo harkless or i th- you know. i think playing with seven centers is the way that teams are going to line up going forward nate <laughs> yeah well so some teams might uh, in the next uh, two weeks or so but beyond that <laughs> yeah right per- we're gonna see not. that lineup again with uh Jokic and Plumley as the starting guards <laughs> remember that first uh uh warm-up game in the bubble for Denver oh yeah yeah whenever everyone was so excited about uh bowl bowl it was yeah yeah th- that was yeah that was a time <laughs> so yeah I, I sure i would if i were running the kings yeah let's move harrison barnes maybe think about moving holmes and we'll see if see if someone is interested in healed and you know you still maybe hold on to fight like even fox by himself though means you might not be too bad that's the other thing there's even i don't know if it was a rumor or reporting but uh tim mcmahon said on his pod that there are at least some rumblings that fox could possibly be available he came in had put on a little bit of weight which maybe wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. a good way at the start of the season um and he, he hasn't had the year that i think people would have liked for him to have yeah is there any point in moving De'Aaron fox right now so there would be two situations i think where it makes sense one if you can get a tentpole star who is better than fox i mean can sacramento do is there a trade out there for them to do that i think it's un- for, unless you for think, a guy who's yeah unless you, you consider, think ben's unless you think yeah. ben simmons is better than fox which I, I i think i'd rather roll with fox i i think i probably would too i mean they're go- those guys are i think simmons is a couple years older than fox uh, but I mean, maybe they've just kind of soured on Fox a, a little bit more here. But again, I mean, they're really just kind of stuck in purgatory at the moment. And they have these young guys and maybe you just don't want to overreact to uh, Halliburton and Fox not playing as well as you would have hoped so far this year. Halliburton has been pretty good since Fox has been out. He's had a couple of 20 point, 10 assist games uh, in a row. Uh, and by the way, I, I'll, this is pretty comical as an aside, how dependent he is on being on the right side of the floor and getting to his right hand and all the shit that the Kings do to try to get him there and then watching the Warriors in the second half just be like no we are not fucking letting you get to the right hand and the right side of the floor and 
<laughs> I, I mean, he's just like incapable of making any shot uh, on the left side of the floor. It's pretty, or any pass on the left side of the floor. Even. It's pretty insane. He's he's got to get better. But just watching that chess match throughout the game as we were broadcasting, it was really funny. But I, I you know, I still like Halliburton in the in the long term. I I don't know if he's going to be a all star, but he I think he could be you know your solid twenty million dollar a year point guard type. You know what he is? Because I was talking about him with someone at the showcase. Um, he is like the guard version of Mikhail Bridges in some ways like he's as good as the team around him but but he can't he he can't be the guy who's who's lifting you up by himself but if he's if he's around the right kind of players then you're like oh shit this guy's really good i'm also concerned that he's just so thin as well and i i don't know that he's gonna have the i mean everybody kind of gets a little bit of old man strength eventually in the nba but mm-hmm. man guys just like any kind of a switch guys just go right through him it, it doesn't yeah. matter who it is yeah that's no that's a thing with i mean it's weird like he's he's really good off the ball but like as an on ball defender yeah there's there's definitely uh some vulnerability there yeah so i mean i guess my prescription would be to do the sell-off pieces approach uh because again i but but still even even that all right you've got a few first round picks going forward that might be nice uh, but you're not gonna then just flip those same picks for another harrison barnes type to round out your roster so but you still have some good players i guess you're trying to build around those guys through the draft and maybe some free agent signing you know you can try to sign another harrison barnes type in free agency but then you also have some picks going forward and and maybe that makes things a little bit more palatable those picks can turn into players but you know the, the reality is De'Aaron Fox is your best player is just you're probably you're topping out at the 10th seed unless he gets way better and Hal Burton gets way better yeah there I mean their pathway to another truly significant player is not that wide open I mean they have to you know they're gonna have to hit on a mid first round pick basically yeah or or they could if they moved on from Barnes and from Holmes maybe they could just hope that they're do kind of what Toronto did last year maybe get up into the draft like there's a Hopefully this draft, it seems like it's going to have three guys who are pretty good uh, based on what you've been saying. At least I haven't watched any of them yet. But Yeah, I think the top, you feel pretty good if you're in the top uh, four or five and much less good after that. I, d- I don't think there's a lot of depth of quality in this draft, but I think the top is strong. Who else should we talk about here? Let's do one more before we get into the the Twitter Spaces questions. Uh, should we talk about the Lakers? Boy, I, watching them last night, obviously Isaiah Thomas playing thirty minutes is not ideal for an NBA team at, at this point in time. Yeah, AD has gone down. I I was saying this on my pod. The four weeks seems very optimistic to me for an MCL because usually it's either grade one, which is like a two week thing. That's what Steph Curry had in the 2016 playoffs. Mm-hmm. Or you're looking at grade two. I think I want to say, was it Mark who had, it was either Mark or Zach had that for you guys at one point, a grade two Mark, MCL. Mark yeah. had a grade two and, you know, came, came back and like, I mean, he really wants to come back. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And, and, uh, and he still like it still took even when he came back like it wasn't like he came back it was like oh mark's back you know it was like it took him a while and yeah yeah it's a it's like it's like that generally the prognosis for a grade two is six to eight so they just said he's being yeah. reevaluated in four it's probably a grade two mcl and so we're looking six to eight weeks and then he comes back with a knee brace probably for yeah. a while yeah 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 mark came back with the brace that year so you're you're looking at at least after the all-star break I would imagine before AD returns. I mean, the good news for them is LeBron is looking really good lately. 
That, and which is important because the big picture idea of the Lakers is that they have two of the best 10 players in the league. And LeBron and Davis, neither of them have looked like that this season. So LeBron lately has looked more like that guy. So that's that's very important big picture news for the Lakers. And you do presume Davis will be back at some point. And shit, can these guys at least finish in the top 10 in the West? I mean... They, I think they can tread, and their schedule doesn't get too hard for another three or four weeks, and then it gets yeah. absolutely murderous. Exactly, yeah. That's that's the thing. It's not just their record. It's that they, they're chewing through what it, what should be the cake-ola part of their schedule, and then the second half of the year can really uh, rear its head and, and bite them if, if they aren't playing a whole lot better. I think they can trundle along around 500, maybe even a little bit above, but it's going to put a lot of miles on LeBron. He's playing some and then he sprained his ankle late. I thought he was playing yeah. about as hard as I've ever seen him play in a regular season game, at least since he was with, the, you know, the first couple of years with the Heat, frankly. Uh, and then then he injured himself. But I mean, that's just, he's trying to set the tone. I appreciate that. But he's he's also going to be turned 37 on December 30th. Yeah. So both the problem and the opportunity I see for this team is that they're using a lot of minutes on some bad players, man. Like they, they, they have a lot of... The veteran guys with names who just just aren't really doing a whole lot. And so, you know, can they trade themselves into upgrades? Maybe they don't really have a lot of ass- assets, but on the other hand, they don't need to get somebody that good for it to be an upgrade for, for what they're getting right now, you know? And even like, uh, you know, the Caruso-Horton Tucker thing, obviously, is looming as a huge mistake. Horton Tucker hasn't broken out this year at all. I don't think he really fits at all with how they want to play because he can't shoot. And, but they... They got him on that contract, which even if they hit on, he'll be a free agent again in another year. Like, I just didn't understand that one at all. I think I think that low key has really, really hurt them. Well, he does make $9.5 million and could theoretically be traded. So that's the thing, you know, Horton Tucker and none. Now you, now you have enough to trade for good size contract, starting caliber player, you know, bring back somebody who makes in the 15 to 20 range. Then, you know, then do you feel better about your team at that point? You can't, you can't trade a first, but you can, you know. Well, they can, they can trade a 27 or 28 first round. Oh, I'm sorry. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. And you can dangle the idea that Horton Tucker is almost like a first, which I mean, they'll at least sell that point, even if the other team laughs at them. Um, So they they have the flexibility to do something here, uh, depending on who's a available yeah and, and that obviously is the greater concern and they're a team where it would be great if they could do it now rather yeah. than having to wait and you know i mean they haven't even seen none yet as well there's still i you know trevor rizzo looked okay the first couple of games he was out there again how long he can stay healthy you want you wonder about but we haven't really seen them be able to put ad at center with russ and lebron and two guys who can actually play a little bit of defense kent Bazemore has been a huge disappointment for them as well yeah. i mean he he's in the health and safety protocols now but he was like couldn't get on the court for the month or so before that until uh, all the covet absences hit so i i just don't know for that package if you want to say horton tucker none and at first that is so far away i think that's the other thing that mm-hmm. you can just say at first but i mean that's six years from now and really Realistically, a lot of GMs aren't going to be around six years from now and may not be as interested in that. You just generally discount. I mean, if you're Sacramento, though, with Harrison Barnes, I think, you know, if you're in the front office in Sacramento, you got to think you have enough security that you could trade for that 27 first. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Uh, No? (laughs) 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably not, right? You know, if you're Harrison right, Barnes would be great. Would be great with this team, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. He would be great. Robert Covington and Larry Nance. If the Blazers go into a little bit of a kind of fire sale mode, yeah, the Blazers you, need yeah. to cut money too. Like they're they're going to cut that three million one way or another and get under the tax line, right? And so that that's where stuff with Covington with Nurkic gets a little interesting. Do you like does Nurkic fit here? You can't, you're not going to play him in the fourth Jordan. quarter with da- with with LeBron and AD though, right? It, he fits better than DeAndre Jordan does. <laughs> <laughs> because because he has actually done that thing where you bend your knees and then cause your feet to leave the ground on oh. a basketball court. Yeah, what's what's the word for that again? Oh, jump. I, yeah, 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 right. Yeah. <laughs> De- De- DeAndre doesn't really do too much of that uh, yeah. unless he's going for an alley-oop anymore. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm not really sure, though, who else is kind of out there. You know, Daniel House just got waived. Maybe if he gets healthy, they could try him. Yes, I, there's, there's not much out there. TJ Warren, but I think Indiana wants to see what he's going to look like if he finally gets back healthy. And if he does look healthy, he might be out of their price range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I yeah. I don't really see like an Indiana Lakers trade. I guess. No, I, I, I'm not sure. I do either. Would yeah. I mean, my, my actually, my, no. Miles Turner would be interesting there. He'd be interesting a lot of places. Yeah. I was. I I brought this up yesterday. Of would the Memphis Grizzlies potentially be interested in Miles Turner and pair Ooh. him pair him with Jaron Jackson Jr. They've got three surplus first round picks uh-huh. going forward. They could just put Stephen Adams in the trade as the matching salary. Yeah, and that and that maybe you just say, hey, you know, Jaron's been so good defensively this year. You just now can pair those guys together. You don't worry as much about having a, another elite wing player because you're just going to be so good defensively and then you kind of recreate the 2011 bulls with more shooting and with john morant and the derrick rose role and you're just but you you can lock guys up with those two guys in the front court wow that's interesting um you'd you'd probably would have to start melton because he'd be the best rebounder yeah maybe or they 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 hope that (laughs) or you you have to hope that between turner and jackson they can get enough i guess (laughs) yeah those those guys have both been a little bit better on the boards this year i i would say reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem uh, reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil um all right that, that's probably a little bit too far afield for this discussion um thanks to everyone who wanted to get speaker requests in let us begin feel we're probably going to do try to see if we can get four or five of these in let's begin here with rob rob what do you got for us man rob what's up oh hey sorry i didn't see you had brought me in yet um i was curious if we go back and look at lebron's playoff run since he uh entered the since he joined the cavaliers the second time who would you say is the best team he's beaten in the conference playoff so not the finals Ooh, yeah that's that's an interesting one the detroit team with flip oh, oh you said since they returned to cleveland so this would be oh, 20, okay. 2015 and later and you could count the lakers one too yeah you know if if that hawks team in 2015 had been totally healthy maybe you could have said them although i mean he beat them basically by himself with no love and Kyrie. i don't think he even came back until game four of that series so and they they completely destroyed them granted the hawks had carol and and corver were injured the 
in that series. I mean, 20, 2020 Denver was playing at a very, very high level at that point, but they also, I mean, they had two, three, one comebacks before that. So it might be, I mean, Jokic would probably at the level he was playing at in 2020 would be the best player that he had beaten during that time. Um, yeah, let's see. I mean, uh, that what about had been, yeah, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> okay. This is crazy that I'm even saying this. What about that Indiana team that almost beat them? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. In 2018. Yeah. Yeah. With, with, Oladipo. Yeah, that was a, that and was a Oladipo playing at a high level. You had Sabonis playing at a high level. They they actually went to seven with Boston in the conference finals that year too. I mean that yeah. that that Boston team maybe maybe is the answer. Uh, I I, w- I would think that Denver team was better than than either of those. But no, you, you do make a good point that he's had some relatively easy roads. Twenty twenty, that certainly was the case. I I would say Rob. Now when they did actually, and then he, and even in twenty twenty, the Heat team that they beat in the finals got injured after the first the first game and you know wasn't really a threat so yeah i mean they really you know he's won the two championships since returning to cleveland obviously you get a shitload of credit for playing maybe the best three games in a row that's ever been played in a playoff series in games five and seven in 2016 but i I, I think where where you're going rob is that yeah they haven't beaten that many great teams in some of these playoff runs that he's made that's part of it i also think even when people like discredit the bucks from from last year i i think running into a lot of these injured teams is oftentimes just what kind of happens in the playoffs. sure like to glorify these big long playoff runs but a lot of times it's who, whose roster is shaking up the league. Yeah, oh, no, I agree. Yeah, someday I'm going to do a pod on the toughest and the easiest uh, finals runs or championship runs. And uh, Danny and I also did a pod a while ago of like the injuries that changed NBA history the most. And you, you saw it kind of in there too. So yeah, I mean, even LeBron's had a, a lot of lucky runs, right? Like 20, even going back to his Miami days, I mean, what was the best team that they beat before they got to the finals? Probably the 2011 Bulls. And then, yeah. you know, 12, 13, and 14, they, you know, those Pacers teams that they're beating and a Celtics team that was on its last legs. Uh, now, the Heat had their own injury issues in 2012 as well. But yeah, no, I, I think it's it's an important historical consideration when you look at, at LeBron's overall career that they haven't beaten that many great teams, but he also it made his own teams great. And I, I would consider it only a very small demerit. I mean, if we're going to split hairs between him and Jordan, it's probably something you might consider a little bit yeah i funny. i think that those micro ball rockets were still about as talented as a lot of those other teams even if they were completely depleted and just seemed broken by the end of that series too yeah i mean russ being such a shell in that series even even yeah. compared to what he became the following year in washington or even this year with the lakers was obviously it kind of sunk them at that point they were just double teaming harden and the rockets like couldn't do anything the Rockets couldn't do anything yeah the fact that the fact that he couldn't he couldn't make them pay while playing four on three yeah that's a little bit of a problem (laughs) yeah all right thanks rob great great question there let's bring in save the lottery hey guys thanks for uh, taking the question wondering who you think the best player uh that will be traded before the deadline this season will end up being yeah danny and i talked about this a little bit yesterday or or a couple of days ago um what do you think john i mean the smart money's on ben simmons right given the fact that he's very likely to be traded and at least has a decent chance of being the most talented player that's that's traded um i'm trying to think 
well, quickly, I- quickly on Simmons, uh, you very likely to be traded, huh? Like, like, cause Danny and I actually, we did this. We assigned chances that he would be traded. I think Danny, I had it at like 30, I want to say 30% chance that it'd be traded. It sounds like you think it's well above that. Yeah. I just, you can't burn a year of Joel Embiid's prime. I mean, unless the offers are total crap. Like you're you're gonna get more for him in the off season. Well, the, yeah, I think you might, but it's also to me that I, for reasons we talked about, I don't know who's gonna be available, who's gonna help them. And I think because the idea of burning a year of Embiid's prime, they've been so disappointing so far. If they just continue at this level, I don't think there's a trade out there that makes you think, oh yeah, we got this guy, and now we're actually a contender enough that we're not burning a year of his prime. The, just to acknowledge that they're not good enough if they add your CJ McCollum type or something like. That. That. That's, so that's that's kind of my thinking. That's interesting. Now, the the point you make that's correct is that I don't think a CJ McCollum type helps them. Uh, so there has to be something else in it for them. Is it whether it's draft picks or a different type of player? Um, I so that there there is that element to it, but I just think at, at the end of the day, their their offers aren't going to get better, and I think they have to they have to move on from this at some point. You're right that their current mediocrity may give them a little bit of a pass. Uh, although I think they've been pretty good when Embiid has actually played, and it's and it's been more those those non Embiid games that have hurt them. Yeah, they've been kind of disappointing. So, uh, Embiid finally broke out. Like if he he himself hasn't been playing that well either, right? If if he starts yeah. playing at like a really high level, then I think and he's hit his mid range jumper a lot in that forty one point game against Boston, which has been he's I think he's shooting going into that game he's shooting thirty eight percent from mid range after like you know high forties last year. Um, their net rating with Joel Embiid on the court is still only a 4.9 that's not that's not world beating they're negative yeah. 4.6 when he's off but that's you know usually when Joel's on the floor they're a 10 yeah um but but yeah so if it's not so that's that's my thought and I I think Daryl I mean maybe I'm giving him too much credence for his public statements which he certainly is always happy to manipulate people with those public statements but I, I think I do kind of believe him in the sense that like if it is not if it's not a trade that gets them closer to landing what he is said as a top 25 player then i think he just kind of waits and uh by the way if we like what's is simmons getting paid still now like the, we, haven't we haven't heard, heard much about update. that lately have we yeah no, no we haven't heard an update on i mean i assume he's getting paid or he would be you know did they find something with just this mental health thing now that he found a way to just like not make waves any further and get paid or you know maybe the the team was like hey these headlines about not paying him just aren't helping our leverage so we're just gonna kind of start paying you and that'll just not having you carping about that is just a better way to make it look like we have more leverage i, I don't know it's been like a month since we heard anything about this yeah i gotta be honest i've been so caught up in uh brandon knight's return to the nba that i hadn't really <laughs> been been following this story as closely yeah and honestly the one thing i would probably rather talk about uh, or i would less like to talk about than covid is the ben simmons day-to-day <laughs> saga of like you know did which mental specialist did, did he meet with was it the teams or was it not and is he going to get paid and, and all, all that so yeah so let's get back to the original question though we're kind of prattling on here but i thought it was interesting because we haven't talked about it in a second but uh who else is a candidate to to get moved beal maybe who bradley beal i can't see that no i i, I, I don't I think, think so either i think it's unlikely with him i think it's unlikely with lillard um and you know, I'm 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 trying to think who who else who else is out there that's. I mean, we took we talked about De'Aaron Fox already. Kyrie Sabonis. Irving. 
Sabonis, Kyrie, Sabonis would definitely be a name. Yeah, Sabonis might be, you know, other than Simmons, he might be the best player. You know, Jalen Brown, I think, is really unlikely. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good one. I was I was going to bring him up. I think I actually think Miles Turner is better than Ben Simmons, and I think he's better than Sabonis. So I I'm probably in the minority there, but. I mean, he, I, I would say of all the names we mentioned, he seems like the most likely to get moved. I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Blazers are 13 and 19 right now, John. Yeah, they are. But I, I just don't, I just, I just don't think they've admitted it yet. E- even if they're six games under 500 or, or they, you know, they're, they're winning 40% of their games right now. Like if they're, if they're 10 games under 500 at the deadline. I, I don't know. I just think, I, I just don't think they're in, a, their heads are at that point. Could, could and, Dame's and so, head? get to that point or, that or do you think be, it's- that would be the that'd be the one thing that could shift things but he has a lot of control right now i think and if he thinks he can get that two-year extension i think it might be worth sticking around right so i i i i don't see that one like at the very least i think that goes to the summer i i just i'd be surprised if it, if that all resolved itself by february even though it is probably the right move for portland to to go ahead and cash in their Lillard stock uh, and and build the next team. Uh, ironically, Clyde Drexler was the exact same age when they did this in the 90s. Um, mm. So interesting, right? Uh, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, okay, that was, a, that was a great question. Let's uh, let's do one more here from uh, Wes Unsell Jr. Stan, if you want to unmute. What do you got for us? Oh, hi, everybody. Uh, yeah, no, I'm actually some G League stuff. I, I'm curious. Uh, Ooh. Yeah, so it's kind of G League and sort of league related, but I'm curious why like are signing these sort of kind of, I guess, washed veterans, basically, instead of like taking a chance on like the Wizards just signed uh, Jordan Shackle or Shackle. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Yeah, yeah, Shackle. Yeah. And yeah. like, you know, from what I've seen, I mean, NBA Twitter seems to like him and he seems to, you know, the analytics seem to like him. So like, why aren't we seeing, you know, these teams? Teams which kind of just need bodies right now instead of you know if like if we were looking for these guys to actually give them playoff minutes then maybe i'd understand like signing veterans but why are they sort of going for these guys instead of you know trying to give some of these uh you know younger kind of more promising prospects a chance uh that's my yeah go ahead i think i think it is more of a playoff mentality right now because they know these guys are only going to be with them for 10 days and they need them to play right away in most cases so it, it is more of a case where you're where you're doing this all on present value basically and so the i i mean maybe you're like getting a look at a guy and maybe you can come back to him later in the year or whatever there like there is an element of that but i if, if you really like the guy you would have had him on a two-way basically uh so i i i have, I have a hard time seeing uh blaming these teams for doing what they're doing like like jordan shackle like i saw him a bunch at san diego state like he can he can shoot he's a really limited athlete i think he's probably not good enough to play in the league but you know we'll we'll see what the wizards get out of him but like all all these guys they're signing are like <laughs> deeply flawed prospects basically uh so it's uh <laughs> it's uh it's it's re- you're you're really just trying to figure out who can help you win tomorrow w- when you're in this situation. And uh, yeah. I, I know you saw the G League showcase. I, I uh, you know I was wondering if you had any Isaiah Todd thoughts because I just realized I just saw he was seven of nine three and it's a pretty nice shot. So I I sadly I did not see the go go while I was there. So. 
fun. Yeah, you d- you decided to go go from Vegas a, a day early. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, un- <laughs> unfortunately, I have no uh, updated information for you on on Isaiah Todd. Maybe maybe next time. Yeah, we we appreciate the the deep cut though. Uh, and yeah, I, I think it's just for to get back to the original question. Guys are brand names. You know that these guys have been veterans. They can come in. They can learn the plays pretty quickly. They've probably been in this situation before. Also, I think in terms of, like if there's a team that just needs some kind of scoring or something, some of these vets might, you know, Jamal Crawford type or Joe Johnson like might just be able to give you like a little bit of that as well. It's all there's probably even a, a component of like, well, at least our fans will like recognize this name. <laughs> when, <you know. laughs> there, so maybe there's a, a little bit of that too. Jo- so. Joe Johnson but, might be about where I draw the line on this. <laughs> I mean, and that's kind of this question. Like he's like 40 years old at this point. And I'm just like, I don't know. Like it's, it's kind of weird, but I understand. Yeah, it's. It, it, yeah, I think it, John, the key point is just that you can't hold on to these guys for longer than 10, 10 days. And it's just, hey, let's let's just get someone in here that you know is going to be responsible and you know knows how to be in shape and be around the team. We just know who this guy is. He's a brand uh, to some extent. So, uh, all right, this was a lot of fun. Thanks so much, everyone who joined us here on Twitter Spaces, and we will be back. We'll see what time next week with the holidays. We might change things up, but. Stay posted on Twitter. We'll let y'all know. Till then. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 